but also when our children are either now or had been 12. Um, and we want to get back into that uh, mode today because we'll be talking about Jesus getting lost in the temple around when he was 12. And I do want to say that I asked my parents, I was like, okay, give me a story that I could use from when I got lost. Uh, and they said, well, your oldest brother, Tyler, got lost constantly. I'm surprised they ever found him. Um, and then our, my middle brother, Kyle, got lost as well. But then came to me, and I quote, you never did anything like that. So that either means they finally figured it out, that I was the youngest, and they're like, okay, we can, we can keep this one. Um, or I was just the best kid out of all of us. Um, but before you have any more time to think about that, I want to show you a video uh, of what our covenant children think about Jesus as a child. So please take a look. What do you think Jesus was like as a child? I think he was probably kind, helping other people out. And he was probably smart and probably forgiving. David, what do you think Jesus was like when he was a kid? He had a was. He was a, a baby and had magic powers. And he, um, Here, look at me and tell me. He loved the disciples. He loved the disciples? Uh-huh, and he said, walk around two times in the world. I think he was nice and he helped a lot of people. What do you think Jesus was like when he was a baby? The baby was a boy. Uh-huh, he was a boy. A boy baby. Uh-huh, and a boy baby with a baby blanket. I think Jesus was loving to everyone and very kind and obedient. I think that Jesus was big into Christianity, and I think he was, like, helpful, kind, and funny as a kid. What do you think Jesus was like as a 12-year-old? Uh, that's hard. A shepherd. He was a shepherd as a six-year-old? Yes. 65. Okay. What was he like when he was 65 then? Jesus. He was Jesus then? Okay. Um, kind and caring and he probably helped a lot of people and was kind. Uh, he had a walking stick. And he walked with another group of Mary getting he he got washed without Mary and Joseph and that stuff. Okay, so Jesus had a dog named Sally. Jesus goes to school. Where? At Union Elementary. He goes to church to learn all about himself. So Lucy believes that, she, that Jesus goes to Union Elementary, and that's, there's, there's actually some really good uh, things in that. Uh, but my favorite was David uh, Spencer's The, the Magic Powers. Uh, I watched that like 50 times, and that was awesome. Um, and it's so cool to see what, what these kids of, of different ages think about Jesus as a kid and, and I don't know if you noticed, uh, but because I think it gets even more as we get older, is, is when, they were, when they're kids, little kids, they have all the imagination, and then we get a little older, and we want to stay within 
well, yeah, Jesus was perfect. He was kind. He was, he was loving, right? But the, I think there's more to it because Luke gives us a glimpse uh, in Luke about what Jesus was like as a 12-year-old. And we get to dive into a passage that's usually brought out during Christmas. Um, and so, because throughout our lives, we get baby Jesus and then Jesus in his 30s in his ministry. Um, we really don't get much in between there. Uh, but Luke gives us just a little inkling of that. And I think that it's important because it gives us a, a, a little bit more of Jesus' humanity, which was very, very pertinent to, to our story. And if you haven't been a 12-year-old uh, in a while, it's okay, I'm not calling anyone out, um, I want to jog your memory. So 12-year-olds, they can, they can sometimes be the most precious angels that you've ever seen but then the next, they're throwing things at you and saying that they're in a prison. And, and then at school, there's this awkwardness going on. But they want to express their feelings like they were maybe when they were in elementary school. But they feel like there's a, a cloud of judgment around them. And there's also this idea that they, they push you away, yet all the more call you back and they pull you back in. It's kind of like hugging with your left hand, but then keeping a hand inside here and pushing at the same time. And you just, as the parent, you're like, what, what do I do? What do, how, do I, how do I figure this out? And lastly, it's implementing a deodorant rule, a great escape, because you don't want to have any, you don't want to have an idea of what the smells were like during that time. So now that you hopefully are back into when you were 12 years old, let's read the passage today. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we pray today that you would bless this time together. We pray that you'd give us hearts and ears that are open to what you need us to hear today. Speak through me and let your words shine bright. Thank you for your love, your grace, your forgiveness in our messy time here on earth. Amen. So Luke starts this next journey of, of, of sharing with you how Mary, Joseph, and Jesus would pilgrimage for the Passover each year. And they would be doing this amongst family and friends year to year, and, and so it wasn't very unusual that Jesus was kind of 
away from them when they went back. And if you don't remember, Passover is the celebration of the deliverance of Egypt with an eight-day festival. And so this actually sets up where and why they were where they were. They went to Passover. And a lot of commentaries I read didn't really go far into what the Passover was in this instance because it wasn't the main reason. It has contextual value, but it wasn't the reason for this story. But what I did see is the New Cambridge Bible Commentary had this to say, is that their practice of going, uh, of pilgrimaging was a usual one, but Luke indicates no financial hardship for such participation. The pilgrimage may have had the sense of a vacation as well as a holy endeavor. That celebration and piety are not mutually exclusive. So I say that to say that it, it's actually debated whether uh, this is something that the Jews would expect to be at every year or once in their lifetime. It was somewhere in the middle of, of they said yes, but some don't. Um, but Mary and Joseph would go every year, and they were devout. They'd do everything that they could because this was the Son of God. And spoiler alert, they still failed many, many times. And this is one little instance and what I contribute to that argument of, of the de debate between the pilgrimage is that the idea that we as humans don't always follow um, are what we need to do. Or we sometimes do just a little bit and we say, oh yeah, that's, that's good enough. But them going every year is very important because this is 12 years now that they've been doing this pilgrimage every year with probably the same people, the same family members, the same friends, and so there was that comfortability with where they were going, when they would leave, where they would stop, um, when they would eat. And so this is not all too different than our, our all church retreat. So we go to all church retreat, we go to Turkey Run, and you hopefully, uh, without worry, hand over your kids to, to me and Miss Becky, and you don't have to worry. Right? We're all in the same. We're all amongst friends right, and family. Or on a Sunday morning when the dogs get let loose and they, get up, up to, or they, get, they run up to the MSM room, um, and you don't have to worry, hopefully. And if you do, please come talk to us. Um, but I want, you to, I want to put you in this situation as we come to verse 44, which says, assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. They went on, and during the day, they got to breakfast. They weren't worried where he was. They got to lunch, and they were like, oh, he ate with another family. That's fine. They got to dinner, and probably they were kind of now, this doesn't add up. Where, where's Jesus? Haven't seen him. Probably seeing some of his friends run by that he was not following. Right? And, and it, it, remind, it reminds me of when I was a kid, and I would go out, and I'd play all day long outside, and I would know, and some of you may know, that when to come home was when the streetlights came on, right? And I can't imagine what my mom had to feel if it's 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes after the streetlights came on, and I haven't called, she doesn't know where I am, right? That, that feeling of, of, of losing your kid, I just can't, I just can't imagine um, what that feels like. And then we have day two as they go back and they're scurrying, around, they're scurrying about Jerusalem. 
and they're screaming and yelling, probably with little sleep as they, they huffed it back there. And then day three, they're probably full-on panicking now, screaming for Jesus, right? Screaming around the town, asking everyone they could see, and only speculating here, might have found a rabbi that had been in the temple um, that was hearing them or saw them, right? And, and they came up to them and said, oh, the boy, the boy that's in the temple that knows God's word so well, yeah, he's been with us for three days. Can you imagine the look of embarrassment on Mary's face? That look of, oh man, I look like a terrible parent. I just lost the son of God. But more so, I just lost my son, right? But also the boiling that was happening inside of her. What can I take away from him, right? Can I take away his, maybe a slingshot, maybe his sandals, maybe not walking on water for three days? I mean, like so many things that she's thinking, oh, I can take this and this. But before she gets to him, Luke inserts this, these verses saying, after three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Luke here is trying to make sure that we understand that the people are already amazed at 12 years old what this child was, was learning and, and what he knew. See, the rabbis were seeing a 12-year-old boy that was holding his own within their circle and somewhat probably teaching them some things that they didn't know. They were seeing some extraordinary things within an, within an ordinary boy. And at this point, there was inklings about a Messiah, and it wouldn't be 18 or so years until Jesus would announce himself as the Messiah. So they were seeing this, this 12-year-old boy but this concept of Jesus growing up was one that Luke had share, has shared in his gospel and other uh, boys who, who knew God's word very well growing up would, would have. But one thing I found, and you might not like it, but, but I, I like to think about this, is where was Jesus eating and sleeping? Like, it says nothing about that. I'm like, okay, who's feeding him? Uh, but what I kind of come, what I came to, to find out, because no one else cared, I'll say, no commentary, said anything about it, but I do. Uh, but I, I assume that the rabbis had, had brought him in because hospitality was on the same level as worshiping God. And so um, the Jews would prioritize hospitality and, and we should kind of take, take note of that especially. But when Mary finds Jesus, she does what any mother would do. While frantically and probably through tears, she would say in a stern voice, child, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Or, and I know some mothers know what I'm talking about, would, would bend down and get right in their face and whisper, or like, we are searching for you. Wait till we get in the wagon. Right? And then get back up and they smile and everything. Oh, no, it's all great. We're okay. Right? Wait till we get back to that wagon. Um, but before we get any further than this, we have to discuss this. Because how many times have we been like Mary? Where we've cried out, God, why are you treating me like this? I've been searching for you anxiously. I'm on my knees and I don't know what to do. And this is why we keep hitting on silence and slowing down. Because when we don't get silent and listen and hear God's word, 
then we miss the negative things piling up in our lives and piling and piling until it's too late. And how many times have we been caught up in our own selfish desires that we cry out only to hear Jesus' words that he utters next? Why were you searching for me? He said, he asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And the footnotes here indicate that it actually, it, it, it could mean father's interests or works or my father's business, doing what my father has called me to do. And if you're looking for Jesus, look no further. He's right there in his word, alive and ready for us to get closer to him. Even if you've been a Christian all your life. And we get so caught up on trying to control where God is that we sometimes miss him by looking over him when in reality we just need to fo shift our focus. And if you don't know what I mean, it's like when you go to Disneyland or Disney World or State Fair, wherever you go with a big crowd, and you look at your phone for just a second and then you look back up and you scan the horizon because Jimmy is gone and you have no idea where he is. And you're freaking out what seems like an eternity. You're yelling, Jimmy, Jimmy. And you feel a little tug, like, what? I'm right here. And he's like right next to you. And you didn't look down. You just looked up on your level and didn't shift your focus a little bit. And the story continues, though. And it says, they, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And we can't skip over this either because some of us will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Jesus, we can't understand him, whatever, move on. But I believe that all of us in this room have been taught, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. If you just keep searching, you'll find hope. Just keep going. But there's something in this, that, that in verse 50 it says, they did not understand him. And I think we put extreme pressure of understanding everything that's happening within our life and our faith. We put extreme pressure on controlling everything our kids do. We put extreme pressure on being the perfect parent and never letting anyone see our mess. We put extreme pressure on being the best person at our job, climbing that ladder. But I'm here to tell you that some would say that it's a gift to not always understand but still have faith that he is who he says he is. Sharing the mess to let the perfectness of Jesus shine through. So some of you can, can relate to Mary, though. We can go back to her, her frantically looking for her kid. And if you've lost your child for maybe a, a couple minutes or you've lost your child completely, you can, can empathize with Mary. And Scott Hosey says this about Mary. This son of hers just never had an easy road. Not when his life began and certainly not when it ended. What could it all mean, Mary's heart screamed. We do well to ask the same question, to ask it and then trust that God's spirit will help us answer it. We can learn a lot from Mary. As we started the, the, the passage talking more about Jesus, it quickly flips onto, oh, we're gonna learn a lot about Mary and alert a lot from Mary because Luke says after all of this Mary treasured all these things in her heart she treasured the good but also the messiness of of what just went down and it's no coincidence that Luke puts this in his gospel 
And on a, on a realer note, some of us would want to, we want to cry out, yet some of us want to just hide. We want to just hide. And, and how many times do we think Mary possibly could have been like, God, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And we just want to hide away. And yet we learn from, from King David that although he had a messed up past, what did he do? He kept going back to God. He kept going back to him. And all of this in this passage, as, as Pastor Jerry said last week, is Mary is beginning to understand that she's going to have to suffer to see Jesus anew. And in this passage, we get an even more related reference that Mary's going to have to suffer. That she will not be able to find her beloved son, Jesus, for three days, and yet Jesus still looks at her, even as a child, and says, don't be afraid, you know where I am. And I believe that those things that she treasured would give her hope when she has to do this same thing years later when her son is lost to her for three days after the cross. And as the renowned preacher and author Matthew Henry wrote, his torments were her tortures. She was upon the rack while he was upon the cross and her heart bled with his wounds. See, I think in this we see the messiness of the story of Jesus. And yes, it's not sacrilegious. This was messy. Mary couldn't find her son. A lot of you can relate to that. That's messy. Because I want to note that messy doesn't mean bad. It just means messy. As all human life is. And Scott Hosey says it like this about this story. Yet as it all comes in for a conclusion... We have a story as mundane, as utterly earthly, and simple as they come. A lost child, panicked parents, a frantic search, and the whole thing started with angels, and it ends paging for a lost child on the PA system at Walmart. I thought that was very, very uh, fitting for this. It's the extraordinary within the ordinary. It's the extraordinary within the ordinary. The ordinary story of how parents lost sight of their son only to find him in his father's house, learning from the rabbis and discussing ideas with them. Now around this time, Jesus would be um, preparing to be for his, what we call now a bar mitzvah, um, to become a man in their community. So it's not, it's not different or weird that, that he was in there with the rabbis. It was different because they saw a 12-year-old boy holding his own in the circle and probably answering questions that he shouldn't be answering. And it shows that Jesus was drawn to his father's work even as a child. And this gives us a new look, I think, because how many of us has, have thought of Jesus just being born and then going to his ministry? There's kind of not much in there that we can think of because there's so much during the three years on the earth. But it shows the divinity within the humanity, even as a child. And hopefully it gives us a new look of who Jesus is. And we arrive at the conclusion of this passage. And Luke does something that he's done a few times before. He's done it in chapter 1, verse 80. Chapter 2, verse 40. And now in verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. 
What Luke is referencing here, according to Keith Nichol, is a variation of adaptations of 1 Samuel 2.26 that says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. It is interesting to think about a God that had to learn and grow up just like us, but Luke emphasizes Jesus' humanity in these adaptations. And sometimes we all have a tendency to expect more out of our kids than we do ourselves which is not a bad thing. But the age-old saying that says, I want to make sure my kids have a life that I did not. And what we sometimes miss in all of that is that it's not about you, it's about what God has for them. And if we say that, if we change that saying to say, I want to give my child, as Pastor Jerry has, has said over and over, the life that really is life, then we'll be onto something. Because that is only found in the saving, forgiving, loving, grace-filled name of Jesus. It's understanding that our children and even ourselves will push God away or push you away. And we have to dig our feet in and pray with them, teach them about Jesus. And yes, teach them how to search for Jesus without you. And I've said something for a little while that might not sit well with you as a parent. uh, But I feel it from my parents as well, is that children are not ours. They are God's children, and we are God's children. That parents get to be a part of their child's life, but ultimately God is our father. And Brian Stoffergan has a great quote in, this, in these, um, these competing claims. He says, how do we deal with competing claims in our lives? Often the competition is between two good things, i.e. family and God. However, Jesus states quite forcefully, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sister, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. I believe we're seeing this when Jesus tells his parents, you know where I was, I, I, I have to be about my, my father's business. Stoffergan goes on to conclude this, being the son of God, being about his father's business means facing temptation and being servant to all in need. And perhaps in our text, it was the teachers in the temple who were the ones in need. Perhaps for Luke, it was Theophilus and other readers who are in, the need, who are in need of better understanding Jesus. This is what we're here trying to do. We're trying to see Jesus anew. And seeing Jesus as a child can open up our eyes to a God that is with us and that is for us. So I say, how do we see Jesus anew? I believe it's, it's seeing him as growing up just like you did, just like your children did. Obviously not the same. But it's figuring out how to walk and talk and learn and be in community together with others. It's seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary. It's a Jesus that you can relate to when your toddler just won't eat his food or your baby won't stop crying and you can't get a moment of peace and you feel like you are in pieces or when your teenager messes up in a humongous way like wrecking the car or going a whole semester lying to you and saying, yeah, I've done all my work and I've prepared for my tests and you coming to the end of the semester and they're failing. My parents know a lot about that and I point back as they're watching. Um, it's a God that gives us hope that he understands what we are going through because he's been through it. Peter Woods puts it in a way that I feel is both truthful and loving. 
Can we begin to pray to be let down from our lofty delusions of how perfect and conforming our children should be? Try this week with whoever you're working with, young or old, try and see Jesus in them. We can even insert anything into that quote. Pray to be let down from our lofty delusions of how perfect and conforming our job should be, our life should be, our spouse should be, you name it. Pray about it. Ask God to reveal in you ways that you can connect with those around you and to open your eyes to see them as he sees you. I'll leave you with this. Matthew 19, 4 says, Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not stop them, for it is such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. We are all God's children and we need to take the time this week to stop searching and just be with God in his work. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for learning about who you are and what you do in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage, the hope, the strength, and the wisdom to go today and to see others as you see them. In Jesus' name, amen.